Uh, we've also seen some reasons for God's wrath. But in today's passage, we're going to see some results. Some results for, of man's rebellion toward God. Now, I want to call your attention before we even get started good to a phrase that you're going to hear repeated three times. And that phrase is this. God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them over. Those phrases tell us that there is a limit to the patience of God. Those statements tell us that there is a limit to the long-suffering of God. And if man chooses to abandon God, then there will come a time when God will abandon man. Friends, I don't know about you, but for me, that is a sobering thought. We are surrounded by millions of people who have abandoned God. We're surrounded by millions of people who have chosen to live a sinful lifestyle without God. And those people are capable of virtually any kind of sin imaginable. With that in mind, let's look into a few piercing verses and try to learn a little bit more about the results of man's rebellion. On page 999 in the Bibles in front of you, in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 24, let's hear what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Rome. In verse 24, he begins saying, Therefore, whenever you hear the word therefore, that means there's some results coming. Alright? Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, here's some more results. For this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not think to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Friends, sobering Verses indeed about the results of man's rebellion toward God. 
But first, I want to begin by giving you a little bit of the substance, a little bit of the foundation, if you will, of man's sinful rebellion toward God. Verse 24 tells us that man's sinful rebellion is based in sinful choices. A man or a woman with no relationship with the Lord will always choose his own sin over the will of God, over the word of God, and over the purposes of God. The more they choose their own will over God's will, the more corrupt and wicked they become. But friends, when we choose God's will over our own will, and we become a new person in Christ, and we put off the former conduct, the Bible says we can walk in the Spirit of God and therefore not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Friends, every trait of the old man's behavior is worthless. And because even at our best, we are self-serving. The Bible says there are none righteous. No, not even one. So while man's sinful rebellion is based in sinful choices, I want to also show you in verse 25 that it's based in sinful changes. Because since man refuses to live by God's law, what does he do? He invents his own law. He invents his own rules, his own regulation. And the result is, is that he begins to invent his own gods. And when he does that, the God usually ends up being self. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. God calls that behavior the exchange of the truth for a lie. Exchange of the truth for a lie. It's when man or woman or woman trades that which is living and helpful and good for that which is dead, harmful, and worthless. But why in the world would man want to do that? Why would they turn their back on all that's good? Why would they turn their back on all that's helpful? Simply put, man needs a God who will excuse his sinful behavior. And that God usually ends up being himself. That's the substance of man's rebellion. But I also want to point out a symbol. The Apostle Paul gives us a symbol of man's sinful rebellion. You see, because man repeatedly chooses his own sin over God's will, God gives him over to his vile passions. The depths to which a man or woman can sink are represented in this passage I'm sharing with you today. These next two verses actually describe the bottom of the barrel. Okay, They picture the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the depravity of sin. You see, rebellion always is when societies end up choosing their own ways. That's where they always end up. They end up choosing their own ways over God's ways. And it's been that way since the beginning of man. It's been that way. It's been the case in every major society throughout history. And guess what? We're seeing the same trend in America today. Verse 26 begins to tell us that man's attractions are sickening. 
Look in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving to themselves the penalty of the error which was due to them. In those verses right there, Paul is describing one specific sin. He's describing the sin of homosexuality. And yes, I said sin. Paul is using it, using homosexuality to give us a picture, a picture of the absolute depths that man and women will go in their depravity towards sin. But I wondered, I wonder why Paul is focusing on the sin of homosexuality when there's thousands of other sins that men and women commit. Well, I think the answer lies in the fact that homosexuality affects so many more people than just the individual. In fact, I read a statistic that found that many homosexual males have over 300 partners per year. And the sad thing is, is that the homosexual community in America is estimated to only be less than 2% of the population. However, you know and I know that they're given special privileges. They're, they openly promote their lifestyle. They demand that people like me and you approve, accept, and affirm their sinful lifestyle. But I ask you this question, do we approve, accept, and affirm the lifestyle of a thief? Do we approve, accept, or affirm the lifestyle of an adulterer? Do we approve, accept, or affirm the lifestyle of a serial killer? No, we do not. We don't and we won't. Amen? See, even those at the highest levels of government are extending special favors to the homosexual agenda, promoting what it is they live for. But I want to tell you in very clear and no uncertain terms, friend, this passage tells us that God still finds the very thought of same-sex relationships revolting, abominable, and utterly sinful. It's clear, it's the Word of God, and that is the Word in which we live. God's Word speaks clearly that same-sex relationships are not His design. And anything that is not God's design is sin. Anything counter to the way God created it, to the way God designed it, is sin. So while man's attractions are sickening, verse 27 also tells us that man's addiction is settled. Check this out at the end of verse 27. Receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. You see, the choice of lifestyles, and it is a choice. Are you hearing me, church? The choice of this lifestyle, and it is a choice, brings about its own judgment. 
When God gives a man or woman up to his or her choice of lifestyles, that man will find his attraction to and his addiction to his sin become stronger day after day after day until such time as they are literally overcome by their vile passions. What used to bring a little twinge of shame, now it don't faze them at all. And they sink to deeper and deeper and deeper levels of depravity. It's like God has been actively restraining them, holding them back, pleading with them, please don't go there. Please don't go that route. Please don't live according to your own desires. But there comes a time when he lets go. When he lets go, he takes away his hand. And he gives them over fully to their own sin, whatever it may be, and its ultimate end, destruction. So that passage shows us the substance of man's rebellion, but also the symbol that Paul used for man's rebellion. But to close this morning, I also want to give you a little overview of the scope of man's rebellion. Verse 28 shows us the scope of man's rebellion is first seen in the way he decides, in his decisions. Look there in verse 28 at the beginning. And even as they did not think to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. You see, at this point, man's rejection of God is absolutely complete. As they give themselves more fully to their sins, they have less and less room for God in their minds. Even the gods of his own invention don't have any necessity anymore. That person has come this far and he begins to see himself as his own God. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it and nobody's going to tell me differently. It's, and it's his decision. But the scope of man's rebellion is also seen in his deeds. Look there in verse 28 again. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And then that long list of things other than homosexuality are listed. See, the King James Version says that God gives them over to a reprobate mind. That refers to something that's put to the test and it fails. And so when it fails the test, it's rejected. It's put out. The idea is, is that men did not want God in their life, so what does he do? He says, okay. And he gives them over to the power of a totally corrupted mind. At this point, friends, they are absolutely capable of any sin imaginable. And then the Apostle Paul gives the church at Rome a list of 23 sins. Now, these sins are not meant to be a comprehensive list of all sins, but just kind of a representation of the sins that man is capable of committing. Now, most of these sins are self-explanatory, but I actually want to share a word about each one. Who knows? As I'm sharing these, maybe you might see your own rebellion in these descriptions. The first three are intricately linked. 
The first one is unrighteousness. The second one, sexual immorality. The third one, wickedness. Those three in and of themselves comprise sins against God, sins against self, and sins against others. Unrighteousness means a violation of God's moral standards. If you violate God's moral standards, you're unrighteous. Sexual immorality, the actual Greek word is pornea. It's where we get our word pornography. And it's a rampant problem in the United States and all over the world today. It's sexual impurity. But the sin against others is wickedness, and it refers to evil that causes pain. Emotional pain, mental pain, or physical pain. Those three words really encompass all the sins that follow in this list. Now I want to share the rest of them with you. What is covetousness? Covetousness is the improper desire for a greater number of temporal things. Temporal things that go beyond what God has deemed necessary for you. Maliciousness is ill will. It is the underlying principle of evil which is present even if it's not outwardly expressed. You might call it an evil heart. Envy. This person not only wants something that someone else has, but it begrudges the fact that somebody else has got Envy. Murder. Murder is the unjustified and unlawful killing of another human being. We know that. Strife. The King James Version says debate, and it means a readiness to argue. You ever met somebody that is so doggone argumentative, all they want to do is argue? Strife. Deceit. You ever met a manipulator? That's what deceit is. Deceit is manipulation and the subsequent lying that follows the manipulation. Evil-mindedness. King James says malignity, and it's a spirit filled with evil, filled with envy, filled with hatred, and it loves nothing better than the destruction of another human being. Whisperers. A whisperer is that sneaky gossip. Whisperer is that backstabber. You ever met one? Amen. Backbiters. Backbiter is kind of like a whisperer, only different. The backbiter is not one that does it in secret, but one that will slander you right to your face. Right in public. Haters of God. Friend, this is the only place in the whole Bible where this word is used. And it refers to the person who despises the standards and restrictions imposed by God. This person desires to be the God of their own life. Violent. King James says despiteful. And it's one who will have his own way at all costs. And it dares God. Dares any other man or woman to get in his way. Proud. Proud. This person exalts himself. Above everybody else. You ever met somebody that thought they were better than you? Boasters. This person brags about what he's got. Brags about what he knows. Even if he don't have it. He brags. Inventors of evil things. This person is tired of sin as usual. Your regular old old run-of-the-mill sins, he ain't interested in that. No, he wants new sins that go a little bit deeper a little bit more depraved, a little bit more wild. Literally, he's inwardly foul, rotten, and the literal verse or literal word 
implies that he's poisoned and it'll eventually kill him. Disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. See, I haven't passed any young people yet. Disobedient to parents. I'm not going to get too close. I don't want to get none on me. Amen? That's kind of obvious. But have you ever seen a rebellious child? A rebellious child is open to all kinds of sinful activity. What happens? Undiscerning. King James Version says without understanding, and this is a person who absolutely refuses to learn by experience. You ever said, man, didn't you learn your lesson the first time? Guess what? I've had to relearn lessons over and over and over again. And there's been many times in my life where I've been rather untrustworthy. King James says covenant breakers. This refers to people that just ain't going to keep their word. Ever met them? Hmm. Unloving. King James says without natural affection. These are hard-hearted people. They're pe- to them, people are no more than pawns to be used. Unforgiving. King James says implacable. And this refers to a person that's unwilling to make peace, to come to an agreement. This person says, hey, listen, buddy, it's my way or the highway. If you don't like it, lump it. Ever met somebody like that before? I think we all have. And this last one, this last one hurt my heart. Unmerciful. This person lives with an absence of compassion, an absence of consideration, an absence for the feelings of others. Can I tell you that many of our churches in America fit this bill? Many of the churches even in our area are unmerciful. Why, Bill? Because if we really were merciful, we'd be out there sharing the gospel with people. We'd be telling them about the way out. We'd be telling them about the way to avoid rejecting God. We'd be telling them about the way to avoid the wrath of God. But sadly, I think we go about our own maybe we're unmerciful I also mentioned earlier that you know what we're likely to get a lot of Irma evacuees in our area it's going to be a really great opportunity for us to display the mercy of God to be that instrument that God uses to minister to them in a meal or a few dollars or, or a little bit of help a little bit of compassion a little prayer time amen so friends what I've just finished doing here is is giving you uh, a list that describes the world that we live in. And sadly, it describes a lot of our as well. See, the scope, the overview of man's rebellion is seen in the way he decides, but also in what he does, his deeds. But finally, we see that in verse 32, man's rebellion is also seen in his destiny. Let's read that together and we'll close. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but they also approve. They approve of those who practice them. You see man knows in his heart what's right and wrong. 
Man knows in his heart where sin leads. Man knows in his heart that he's rejecting Almighty God. Friends, can I tell you, man knows better. We know better, don't we? We know better. However, how often do we choose to go against our own conscience and go on into sinful activity? In doing that, you are actually chasing after sin. You're actually pursuing sin. And to make matters worse, by you doing that, you're being an example and you're passing on your sinful behavior to other people, encouraging them, telling them, hey, it's okay, just follow my lead. These people actually encourage one another in their sin. Meanwhile, both them and the people following them are plunging headlong toward hell. I don't know about you, but man, I find that image troubling. I saw those 70 children here Wednesday that are following our lead. They're following our example. Friends, where are we leading them? Are we leading them into a relationship with God? Or by example, are we pulling them away from a relationship with God? See, friend... This is a harsh but true reality that those who reject God and verse 32 says those who approve of those who do. Did you hear that? Those who reject God and those who approve of those who do will be rejected of God. That's scary. It may not be your cup of tea but if you're approving of that sinful lifestyle... According to that verse, you stand the possibility of being rejected by God. Choose carefully. See, even though God is a God of love, a God of mercy, and a God of long-suffering, He's still a God of justice. He's still a God of holiness. He's still a God of judgment. And He's still a God of wrath against sin. And there's a price to pay for rejecting God. You know, there is a species of ant in Africa. And that species of ant digs deep, complex tunnels underground. And deep underground is where they lay eggs and where their young are raised and where the queen also resides. And even though these ants may be a far distance away from the colony, maybe they're foraging for food or whatever, they can sense when their queen is in danger. They can sense when their queen is attacked. And if she's killed, they become frantic. They become rushing around and they go crazy until such time as they die. What an incredible illustration of the person who has rejected God in his life. He's unable to find the right direction. He's unable to find peace apart from a relationship with God. He rushes around aimlessly doing his own thing. And he pursues his sins until such time as he dies 
and steps into eternity. Friend, listen. If you have found yourself in that shape today, I want to ask, I want to I beg you, I want to plead with you to come to Jesus for salvation today. Furthermore, if you know somebody in that shape, you know somebody is rejecting God in their life, I want to beg you, plead with you to pray for them. Maybe even that you're a blood-bought, born-again child of God. You know it. But maybe you've allowed some of those sins we mentioned to creep back into your life. And if that's the case, you need to get that dealt with today. Right now. I want to invite everybody here today. To receive something brand new. I want to invite you to receive a brand new life. I want to invite you to receive a brand new start if you need it. A clean slate. I want to invite you to receive a brand new walk with Jesus Christ. I just pray you'll come today. Because if you'll come, Jesus says you'll receive what I have to offer. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that not one person in this room is living a lifestyle that implies that he or she is rejecting you. Father, we We've witnessed, we've heard your word and how serious it is.